frustrated right now a little irritated but um yeah so we have nick hannah getting fired by viacom i'm guessing that (laughs) geez i'm guessing they're the ones who uh were the ones putting up for his uh his podcast viacom cbs that's pretty funny um, unfortunately, though, I, I had been able to listen to a little bit of it, um, and I was actually pretty excited to, like, kind of go over this and everything, but, um, the episode itself got pulled, um, not that I want to defend Nick Cannon's position, um, I did hear what could lead to very anti-Semitic rhetoric but um overall i do think that maybe it would have been important for people to challenge the ideas and discuss the ideas rather than just taking the video down but i did not hear the full thing and unfortunately all we get is a fucking transcript um so they they have this whole thing i'm pretty sure it was like 20 minutes in you get like the whole actual discussion of the nation of islam and uh semitic peoples um let me just scroll down here because they have the, the the transcript here Uh, Richard Professor Griff or Griffin or Richard Professor Griff Griffin MC from Public Enemy talking with Nick Cannon um, he said he was chore- he choreographed the, gush- the show Nick Cannon said yeah yeah he said putting it together at S1W and then it says here you understand what I'm saying I borrowed from the Nation of Islam on doing the drills and that kind of thing Nick Cannon says right um so there was the first introduction of the Nation of Islam, but they tend to get into it a lot more. And that's what sucks about this being taken down, because I feel like in order to do this properly, 
I have to like set aside everything else that I was going to do just to read this fucking transcript because the actual episode does not exist anymore. Well, I'm just scrolling through the, the transcript now, kind of looking at it to see where I could pin down because I think it was back. Yeah, it starts about right here. Uh, they were talking about a specific situation. Um, about a specific concert. And then they start then talking about... Nick Cannon then says, Please expound on that and just enlighten us all on how it really happened because that's how I saw it. And that's what I was told, but I would love to hear firsthand what really happened with one, what was actually said, why they asked you to apologize. And I mean, I didn't even know there's some subtext in some other characters like the inaudible who were part of that process. Right. And the uh, Bill Alders. Uh, Nick Cannon says, yeah, yeah. And so please just break it down from how it happened into where we are today. And that's pretty much when he starts talking about how he came to understand uh the nation of islam and it's just uh yeah yeah he's speaking of a specific situation when he was uh describing um a bunch of jewish people in in the music industry in one certain incident but f like i said earlier for me to actually get the conversation and discussion and the ideas here i would have to go over this fucking transcript and read it out loud and so far my monotone voice does not sound something uber excited to read this right now so i'm gonna have to save it for tomorrow and just let the people keep keep chirping but i heard a little bit of this beginning here and it does explain a bit of of the nation of islam's beliefs a bit um i just <laughs> i'm not going to be able to get through all of this disseminate the ideas and discuss them and then also um get to the part where nick cannon is rightfully uh fired um if he was rightfully fired i'm not really sure because what i think is actually pretty funny is that in the podcast he was talking to griff and saying how you can get in trouble for just talking about the stuff that they're talking about now i don't necessarily ascribe to nation of islam i don't really ascribe to well i like that flag but i don't really ascribe to too many ideologies and i wouldn't most likely whatever i wouldn't choose nation of islam as my ideology of choice and there's many reasons for it. So I have no reason to defend the actual ideology of it. But I do see that there is a problem of whether or not they are allowed to discuss their religion in public. Or their ideology in public. And uh, I've heard, you know, the, the Nation of Islam was once compared to as like a black KKK. But if we don't openly talk about it how can we know for sure and uh now i have to do a bunch of research on my own i was gonna try and get it from nick cannon's mouth um and i did earlier this morning before the video had been pulled i had already heard he got fired but i didn't know the video got pulled and now it's pulled so there's nothing really i can do but when i was trying and i'm gonna save the transcript hopefully go over it tomorrow jesus what a massive ad um 
but what I'm going to do now is because for some reason I stumbled on a channel called Salty Cracker. I have no idea how it's going to go. I'm just kind of assuming already. Um, he is live as I speak, but um, I found this video trying to find the original video, and so might as well just get into this, and uh, that's going to be my sample of Nick Cannon's ideas, is through the filter of somebody named Salty Cracker. Shouts out to YouTube for holding up the original video, because now all we have is Salty Cracker's interpretation of the original video. So shouts out to you, YouTube. I did want to mention this one first. Uh, if the nation will actually let me read this article. I'm having actually uh, a lot of issues, just tech technical issues here. Um, but the nation reported the U.S. military is using online gaming to recruit teens. Gamers with the Army, Navy, and Air Force are spending hours on Twitch with children as young as 13. This article is written by Jordan Yule for the nation. And I am not surprised that, you know, I kind of already saw, like, most first-person shooters as great entryways into, uh, uh, you know, um, army, army recruitment or military recruitment. It does definitely make you feel like a badass serving the military. That's what a lot of first-person shooters do since Halo, honestly, and there's been other ones before that. Even, you know, kind of in a way, the original Doom and the original Wolfenstein is kind of still, like, built upon the idea of a badass with a gun. You know, we're just kind of all fiending to be James Bond, but you know what? It turns out we're all just Private Ryans and Tom Hanks, okay? Um, not going to read the whole article. Just want to get into a little bit because this is class warfare. To sit on Twitch and bait kids into signing up for the Army or Navy or the Marines before, or the Air Force, um, while they do... My mom, my mom told me that the Air Force has great beds. Like, if I was to choose one, choose the Air Force because they have the best beds. But it's really effed in the A when you recruit kids that don't really have a five-year plan yet. Now, I know we might ask, you know, 13-year-olds where they see themselves in 10 years, but really ask yourself that question now and see if you'll be on point. Maybe, maybe not. I doubt it. Um, not fair to set up 13-year-olds for a life already uh, paved for them. Not really, not 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 the peak of freedom, I would say. Um, so the article, quote, "Have a nice time getting banned, my dude." Unquote. Army recruiter and gamer Joshua Strotnium David told me right before he booted me from the army's Twitch channel. Uh, this is me talking and not the article, but Joshua David, what a fucking biblical name. Your parents are very unoriginal. Sorry, moving on. I had just, uh, the article continues, I had just reminded viewers of the United States history of atrocities around the globe and helpfully provided a link to the Wikipedia page for U.S. war crimes. Nice. article continues was i undiplomatic sure but if the military is going to use one of the world's most popular platforms to recruit kids then it should be able to do so without some or shouldn't be able to do so without some pushback right now with the support of twitch gamers with the u.s military are spending hours with children as young as 13 trying to convince them to enlist 
The Army, Navy, and Air Force all stream on Twitch using dedicated esports teams. These teams are comprised of skilled gamers who compete in tournaments for cash prizes. This is me interjecting here, and not the article, but I did see one of their advertisements, and they are garbage. There's, if, you know, cigarettes, it's the same argument as, like, the whole cigarette and alcohol thing, but if, like, cigarettes and alcohol can't advertise for children because of their uh, inherent danger that we've all recognized, why would the Army and Navy and Air Force be allowed to do the same? The article continues, while members of military esports teams offer the regular gaming skill set, they'll also on-screen talent. Oh, they are also on-screen talent and recruiters. Instead of approaching a recruiter behind a table in a school cafeteria, kids can hang out with one who is playing their favorite video games and replying to their chat messages for hours on end. Who knew this would become very useful for the military? That was me. All right, back to the article. Twitch, a live streaming platform owned by Amazon, boasted more than 5 billion hours watched from April through through June. Wow. Uh, for comparison, Netflix claims that during quarantine, people have been viewing around 6 billion hours of shows and movies a month. A typical military stream looks something like this. A recruiter, usually a man in his 30s, creepy, sits comfortably in his gamer chair inside a dimly lit room illuminated by a monitor and the colorful LED lights of his computer tower. An American flag hangs on the wall behind his right shoulder, an oversized stuffed animal sits to his left. He's playing Call of Duty, or Valorant. He's friendly, and talks about how much he loves being in the army. Despite being older than most of his young viewers, he speaks like them. Quote, It do be like that sometimes. We do have some great comms, unquote, said a recruiter in one recent session. The practices employed on Twitch by military esports teams are part of a system by which recruiters target children in unstable and or disadvantaged situations. Recruiters take advantage of the poor seeking steady income, the vulnerable longing for stability, and the undocumented living in fear because of their citizenship status. Now at a time when all those factors are magnified by a pandemic that has left half the country out of work and over 30% unable to afford their housing payments, conditions are ripe for recruiters to prey on anxious youth. Quote, I see you guys are upgrading from recruiting out of low-income schools. Nice. Unquote. Twitch user xcanyon916 said in a Navy stream on Tuesday while the recruiter was fielding questions about life in the military from chatters expressing desire to join the Navy esports team. The recruiter warned xcanyon916 that if they said something again about the Navy's recruiting practices, they'd be banned. Hassan Piker, a popular Twitch streamer with a dedicated following of over 430,000 users, recoiled at the thought of recruiters building relationships with young, impressionable viewers. Shouts out to Hassan. That was me. Uh, quote, Twitch is unlike anything I've ever experienced in my career, and it's because you're live for hours on end talking to these people in the chat. You develop a community, and you know your individual chatters. There's an ecosystem in every Twitch channel. Piker said. Recruiting in this predatory way is a violation of the user's safety, unquote. 
While an 18-year-old might watch a piece of propaganda like American Sniper once in a movie theaters and go on with their lives, here military members themselves are streaming hawkish agitprop day after day. In some cases, such as Call of Duty, these are games that the military or ex-military figures have consulted on and helped shape. In these Twitch channels, recruiters are using these games to solicit young viewers to share personal information. Branches that use esports in Twitch streams to reach and recruit younger viewers rely on sleight-of-hand tactics, false promises, and deceptive messaging to trick them into filling out recruiting forms. I just want to add here at the very end of that that they've done the sleight-of-hand tactics, false promises, and deceptive messaging for a while. Um, yeah. Their job is to sign you up almost by any means. The Twitter uh, article continues, the Twitter account for the U.S. Army eSports team links to a sparsely populated page with register to win at the top, no details on what one could even win, and a sign-up form that, according to a di tiny disclosure at the bottom of the page, welcomes an eventual harangue by an Army recruiter. It allows people as young as 12 to submit the form but adds a notice on the post-submission page that recruiters are not permitted to contact a child under the age of 16. <sighs> Twitch's advertising pitch boasts that it can reach 80% of teen males in the United States. The minimum age requirement for Twitch is 13. Wow. Quote, all parents are concerned about screen time and what it's doing to their children, unquote. Justin Hendricks, the executive director of the NYC Media Lab, spoke to the nation, quote, as a parent, I reckon a lot of us are unaware that our children are encountering marketing messages, influencers, and salespeople in a variety of contexts online when we think they're just playing games, unquote. Yeah, you thought it was just pedophiles, but it's also the army. Everybody wants your children. <laughs> This is just the environment we've cultivated, people. This is the world we have built. Praise it as it be. Twitch viewers in the Army's channel are repeatedly presented with an automated chat prompt that says they could win an Xbox Elite Series 2 controller, an enhanced controller with customizable options, and extra paddles for advanced play that costs upward of $200, and a link where they can enter the giveaway. It, too, directs them to a recruiting form with no one no additional mention of a contest, odds, total number of winners, or when a drawing will occur. The army declined to comment. Mm. There are over 325,000 current active duty Navy servicemen and women. The inaugural Navy eSports team commissioned earlier this year consists of 10 people. To qualify for the eSports team, you must be at least an E4 Petty Officer 3rd Class, a rank that takes on average 2-3 to three years to reach. One cannot join the Navy and immediately be on the eSports team, but the Navy's Twitch channel features a bio that reads, quote, Other people will tell you not to stay up all night staring at a screen. We'll pay you to do it. Get a look at what life is like inside the uniform of the America's Navy. Unquote. That was really gross. I feel gross for saying that. I don't like when people say, get a look in what life would be like inside a uniform. I don't. That's, that's so dark. 
so dark. That's something somebody that runs an asylum would say. Laura Bollinger. I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that. Bollinger? Bollinger? I am so sorry. A public affairs officer with the Navy Recruiting Command said in an email that the bio is, quote, a nod to the fact that when standing watch in various capacities on a ship, on the bridge, in the combat information center, etc., a sailor will be looking at various screens, radar, sonar, and, and navigation. Now, how stoked are there, like, people just going to be when they, like, get there and all they're looking at is radars? Oh, they did say I was going to be looking at a screen. Oh, just two more years and I'll be playing esports. Sure you will. Sure you will. The article continues, Twitch does not consider military esports streams mature programming, so it does not require people to enter their age before viewing. <laughs> One need only click a button acknowledging that the stream is intended for older viewers. With screen time spiking because of the pandemic, this presents a troubling dynamic. Like I said, if you know, if you don't want uh, people taking advantage of your kids, why is it cool for the Army, Navy, and Marines to do it? Quote for the article, You can say what you want about people who serve in the military and what that says about them. I'm not saying they shouldn't be able to play video games or esports, but I do think it's more insidious to have the military using it as a recruiting tool for young, impressionable people. This was Rod Breslau, an esports industry consultant and insider. Hmm. It's funny that nobody's doing anything about it. <laughs> like, he's not. Oh, he's a consultant. All right. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Hart Vigis. Vigis? Hmm. Sorry. A veteran peace activist and counter-recruiter in Austin sets up information tables in schools and throughout his community to help kids understand that joining the military is not the only way to attain a more stable living situation or money for college. Recruitment rhetoric also ignores many of the risks of military life, especially the psychological co complications of returning to the civilian world. Quote, They don't talk about military sexual trauma. They don't talk about the suicide rate. It's mostly, We can pay for your school. You can serve our country, unquote. That was Vigis, a veteran peace activist and counter-recruiter. Uh, he goes on to say, quote, When I ask kids why they want to join, it's either I want to serve my nation or I want to pay for college. I imagine recruiters feed off of those two motivations the most, unquote. The use of gamified war propaganda to play into that myth isn't new for the U.S. military. I did not think so. The Army developed its own game franchise. That, that it did. America's Army, which it launched in 2002 at the height of the War on Terror and includes storylines and missions based on real-life skirmishes. I'm here to interject. It was a dog shit game. Horribly built. Super buggy. What a waste of fucking time. Alright, back to... The article, games like Call of Duty whitewash the horrors of war, sterilize the violence, and mask the trauma inflicting, inflicted on everyone involved. Uh, I want to add an addendum here because I don't necessarily agree. I think we, are, we would fight for the same point here. But I just want to acknowledge that Call of Duty doesn't necessarily whitewash horrors of war so much as like they kind of whitewash heroes and villains. 
and that you're always going to be playing on the hero side and the game was made in america so guess who's always the hero now i'm not saying it doesn't make sense or that it would make sense to make a game where america is the villain you would have to obviously be in another country but as a as a, as a, a person playing that in america like it just wouldn't feed across right it just it would break so many mental barriers that we've all been built in 18 years or plus in school um but call of duty does do a shitty job at um deterring people from warfare or joining the military because it makes it in it makes it entertaining and fun so yeah i mean it sterilizes the violence in a way um it definitely masks the trauma um but like there are certain things that i feel like they did get for the horrors of war just because they want to hit that shock factor and maybe even get that viral but yeah he's not he's not necessarily that wrong and what am i defending call of duty for i just like to play it for gunfight at this point but um i just wanted to say hey call of duty doesn't whitewash all of it just almost all of it <laughs> What a pointless argument to have. All right. The esports industry has become overrun with military sponsorships and partnerships with different games, esports organizations, teams, and even some individual players. The Call of Duty League is sponsored by both the Army and the Air Force. <laughs> yep. The National Guard recently partnered with esports organization NRG. Instead of running a Super Bowl ad, the Navy opted to redirect those funds towards boosting its esports presence. The Navy sponsors ESL Gaming and Fandom, two of the largest esports organizations in the world, as well as the esports team Evil Geniuses, which on Monday announced a larger collaborative effort with its military funder. So it's only going to get worse. Um, I mean, the Navy and the uh just the whole military is going to come into the esports area to the point where people are going to be doing a national anthem before <laughs> before the, the 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 matches start um yeah they're they're going to be such a massive lender to uh these organizations and all of the such that they may have way too much bargaining power in that that leads to unde undemocratic situations. Um, the Air Force, NRG, and Evil Geniuses declined to comment. The Navy also has a partnership with Twitch that grants it prominent placement in the homepage carousel. <laughs> Gross. Uh, quote, through our partnership with Twitch, the most popular esports streaming site, the Navy has immediate access to millions of 17 to 24-year-old esports enthusiasts on the platform to showcase a side of Navy life that viewers may not expect, unquote. <laughs> Hold on. Quote, viewers are asking our gamers insightful questions and our gamers are effectively communicating that there is a place for everyone in the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, bro. You're talking to kids. All right. Um, <laughs> the article continues. None of the military branches or Twitch would comment on paid promotion or how branches might qualify for prominent placement on Twitch's homepage. It's money. They, they qualify with money. Moving on. 
An incredibly valuable position to, thanks to Twitch's 15 million daily active users. Users recently expressed dismay last month when the Army's channel was featured in the Stream with Pride category despite the military's history of discriminating against the LGBT community. What side were they dismayed? Like, on what side of that were they dismayed? Was it that they were accepting LGBT or that they weren't? Wasn't very clear. But beyond the recruiting mechanism, these nationalistic esports efforts disregard the violence that the U.S. military inflicts around the world. Hmm. Quote, when tech and gaming platforms think of safety, they likely aren't thinking about the very real violence predominantly Muslim communities will face around the world as their platforms aid in military recruitment, unquote, said Iram Ali, the interim director of campaigns at Kairos, a fellowship program that supports more diverse and equitable leadership in tech. Quote, it was interesting to see Call of Duty want to express support for Black Lives Matter, but what active steps will the creators take to make sure the way the military preys on poor black and brown kids in recruitment isn't also happening with the help of their video game, unquote. That's a... I'm, I'm just going to say that Activision is going to consider that as, like, uh, like, uh, casualties of war. We'll just call it casualties of profit. The article continues and is almost finished. This sentiment is complicated by the evolving nature of war, which makes gamers especially valuable. The military has long employed video game-based training and was expanding its use even before the pandemic. Military personnel operate unmanned drones thousands of miles away, using controllers that would be familiar to a serious gamer. A recent study showed that gamers may make better drone operators than even experienced pilots. Oof. Eat a dick. My two thumbs be doing more than your whole brain. All right. Just kidding. Uh, the article continues with the military's Twitch recruitment strategies. It's easy to see the beginnings of an esports to drone operator pipeline. I would agree. I would agree, especially with Call of Duty 4's like mission where you play in the uh, AC-130. I'm sure that's exactly what it's like. Quote. As we think about how automation and media are changing the way we fight wars, it's concerning to think that children are being given the impression that the military is like a video game. Unquote. Hendricks said. Quote, whether it's drones or killer robots, the last thing we need is less humanity in war. Unquote. <sighs> what a great way to close that article, actually. I have very little to no problems in that article, and I think it's just significant enough that people should be aware that the military is uh, touching children's minds like nearly 24-7 because that's what Twitch operates on so if you you know don't like pedophiles or cops touching your kids well, why the military like they're literally in your living room at that point that's fucking creepy all right thank you nation and thank you i couldn't get his name at the end but thank you for the article i greatly enjoyed the read and i suggest everybody spread the news but Let's get to the salty cracker here. His video is called Black Supremacist Fired. <laughs> Cries victim and threatens to send BLM hate mob. So I'm just going to assume here that salty cracker is pretty right. He's like on the right was what I meant. He's pretty right wing. 
not correct right but um yeah i wanted to find the original video here but instead uh to save me time and money brain power uh, i'm just gonna watch his video completely cold let's get it and melanin comes with soul that mm -hmm. we call it we call it soul they may not have the compassion so then they're acting out of fear so then these people who didn't have what we had and when i say we i speak of the mm -hmm. melanated people right they had to be savages you're fired well boys this just goes to show that black dudes can't all right i don't hold on yeah so um yeah it's already starting great you have uh that's this is the problem you should have left the whole fucking video up because now everybody's gonna upload their clips taking him out of context now this is not an endorsement for his ideas but now he's gonna be completely straw man and mischaracterized because we took away his voice so fucking cool i have the transcript up here but it's pretty useless because this guy ah, fuck i Wish I had some way to save that video before it fucking went away. Damn it. Well, boys, this just goes to show that black dudes can't get a break. Black dudes cannot get a break in this most racist country in the universe, this plane of existence, this dimension of racism. Black dudes cannot catch a break. This poor guy over here, this Nick Cannon, he was just out there trying to soothe racial relations. He was trying to break it down. He was trying to expand on maybe why there's so much hate in this world today towards black people. And he got fired by Viacom CBS. Man, Viacom CBS must be loaded. Um, his salty cracker down here. Just holding up two white power signs. Not to scare anybody of his power level, just bringing it into awareness. Up with some straight up racist friends to fire a black man in today's atmosphere with today with the with the temperature of everything in today's society with the black life matter everybody. How could you possibly fire a black? What did he say? Is anybody having this argument that um, Nick Cannon shouldn't have been fired because he was black and this was the wrong time for that? Because I haven't heard or seen such an argument. This is this what they? This must be a straw man. Yeah. Oh, he said white people are animals. Oh shit! Oh shit! You know the the favorite thing. I did see a quote that Nick Cannon called white people animals, but I, again, out of context, I didn't get to that part, actually. Uh, so. In regards to this story right now, Nick Cannon said some crazy shit about white people. This dude is, I don't know, Alex Jones level of conspiracy, and don't take that the wrong way. I love me some Alex Jones. <laughs> By the way, most of his conspiracy. <laughs> so he's like, I know Alex Jones is crazy, but I fucking love that guy. Like, please don't take it the wrong way. He's the good kind of crazy. <laughs> turned, out to be, turned out to be right, interesting enough. But anyway, um, this dude is espousing all types of very bizarre racial conspiracy theories about how- But if he's on the level of Alex Jones, then by your logic, we have to assume that there's a couple of things that he's right about then, huh, Salty Cracker? White people were kicked out of the Africa, sent to the Caucasus mountains, and we lost all of our melanin, turned us into savages, we're closer to animals. That's why we had to be barbaric. We had to rape, steal, kill people. 
I'm sitting there going, what? <laughs> what? Melanin, everybody, is what we keep. That's where your soul comes from. And these white people ain't got no soul. That's why we the white devils, everybody. We lost our melanin. He's saying crazy shit like that. That's not what got him. He said crazy shit like that. I can just tell you what he said. It's much easier than just hearing him. That's because he said it like that. <laughs> That's not what got him. <laughs> saying white people are closer to animals. Isn't what got this dude fired? What got him fired was he said that Jews aren't really Jews. <laughs> That's, that was like, no, hell no. No, fool. You, you're working in Hollywood. Oh, hell no. They ain't going to put up with that over there. He goes, he said all kinds of crazy shit about Jewish people. He goes, I can't be an anti-Semite. I'm the real Semite. Those Jews are fake Jews. That's what got his ass fired. Call white people animals. Oh, that's totally fine. Take a look at this, guys. He's over here whining now that he's been fired. And he's demanding reparations from CBS Viacom. He's threatening to send the black... He's not providing any fucking sources whatsoever here. He knows there's a story. He knows people have heard about it. He is filling it all with his own context. None of this is based on anything. And unfortunately, I can't sit here and believe it or argue it either because I haven't done the full research. I wanted to watch the actual video. I wanted to see what Nick Cannon actually had to say and judge for myself. But it's too late now already. It's already too late. Let me see if I can go into my histories over here and see if it's still there. But um, this guy is not providing any evidence for anything that he's saying and is just throwing a bunch of mouths inside of both Nick Cannon's words and every, every in Nick Cannon's mouth and everybody's mouth. He's not speaking any form of truth. He's just speaking. And it, it's very racist speaking, as you know, if you listen close enough. Black Lives Matter militia in the direction of, I guess, these Jewish dudes running CVS uh, Viacom over there. Uh, take a look at this over here at TMZ. Nick Cannon slams Viacom CBS for firing, demands ownership of Wild and Out. Nick Cannon's firing back at Viacom CBS after it dropped him for making anti-Semitic comments. And now he's claiming it's the media giant that's being divisive, not him. And he has a list of demands. The Masked Singer host responded to Viacom's decision Wednesday morning saying he's, quote, deeply saddened the company quote misused an important moment for us all to grow closer together and learn more about one another and instead he claims it's trying to quote make an example out of an outspoken black man Cannon vows that he will not be bullied or silenced and says Viacom, quote, does not understand or respect the power of the black community. Cannon says, quote, I, I, I can't believe that, like, Viacom has such poor counsel that it would allow them to make such a divisive decision in the midst of protests and civil uprising within our current pandemic. <sighs> Truly an unwise decision. He later then goes on to threaten this place and say that he wants full ownership of the brand Wild and Out that he created. Really? Did you really create that, son? <laughs> Where's my Obama quote? Uh, you didn't make that, dude. Uh, dude, uh, you, you're not going to just be handed over. How, do he, how does he know that Nick Cannon didn't make Wild and Out? 
He's been the host and the lead since the beginning of it. He doesn't provide evidence. He's pivoting. Hold on. Over uh, what you are saying is a billion dollar brand? What, what, because you're mad? <laughs> because you're all upset? Because you got a little bit of sand up in your vagina? Uh, I'm sure you signed a bunch of contracts. No, CBS Viacom owns your brand that you're complaining about. You are the face of it, sure. But uh, nobody... Says Nick Cannon presents MTV Wild and Out. Doesn't say MTV presents Nick Cannon's Wild and Out. Maybe all of that's arbitrary. But let's just be perfectly honest. He wants to respect the contract in this intellectual property disagreement simply for the reason that Nick Cannon is black. Nobody really cares. <laughs> Nobody really cares. But I love this notion of this man. This is perfect leftism. See, it doesn't matter. How did the fuck did we get the leftism? How the fuck is the left still the enemy? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, my brain. Every time I come into the paths of these, these irrational buffoons, bro. Like, what the fuck? How do you reach that the left is the problem in this situation? When he got fired for business issues, like all of it is capitalist related and race related, and yet it's a problem with the left. Their mentality remains the same. If they're one of these soy bitches in their daddy's basement and they can't get a fucking job, they whine and cry and they say that they're the victim, they blame everybody else, the right? What the fuck is he well, even talking about? Even when they're successful, rich black dudes, same exact thing. It's not my fault, everybody. <laughs> Why? Since when was Nick Cannon on the left? When has he ever been a representative of the left? And I'm not even really sure what side of the spectrum the Nation of Islam sits on. I'm not even sure if he's with the Nation of Islam because I also have to assume that if he is more segregationist in his Nation of Islam beliefs, which, you know, happens, um, then I would probably consider him to be more right-wing. So, straw man. Straw man. <laughs> How are you gonna fire me? I just said white people are fucking savages. <laughs> I just said um, black people are are way more I don't know soulful than white people, and therefore white people are below black people. I just categorized people by their skin color in the same way that the fucking KKK was doing, in the same way that the Nazis were doing, but it's different, everybody, because I'm a marginalized rich person of POC flavoring. I should... So, yeah, I mean, when, it, when it's a white person with his uh, biases in mind and his interests and his values being shared, he has a very... Uh, he would probably have a very hard stance on, hey, don't silence free speech. But when it's happening to an African-American man, he wants to be able to find as many jokes as it, in it as he can and do the same kind of millennial leftist problem. Like, this, this, is, this is just so lazy. It's, it's lazy thought. It's lazy directive. It makes me really sad that, like, you know, we can't actually effectively share ideas in this nation. Now, again, I don't necessarily think what Nick Cannon said was right because I don't know everything he said um, some of the shit that uh, progress uh, professor Griff was saying is slightly anti-semitic with how focused he was about Jews running everything I've heard that before but um, 
like I have to get more of the speech here because now I'm getting mischaracterizations and misrepresentations of his position which is now turning into uh, nefarious insults so what am I supposed to do with that <laughs> this guy sucks be allowed to do this now I'm gonna threaten you that's exactly what this what this whole thing is about he, he goes well, I'm sorry if I said hate speech. I wasn't trying to say hate speech. I was trying to correct the record, let these white motherfuckers know that they savages. <laughs> okay. There was no quote. There, there, no. He's just, he's just saying shit. He's just. He. Well, I think that's hate speech. If we're once. going by your asshole logic once. of what hate speech is, if you're going to take the definition of hate speech from any of these college liberal cocksucker professors, well, I'm offended. I'm, I'm really not. I could give two shits what anybody thinks of my skin color. But um, if any white person... He says he gives two shits about what anybody thinks about his skin color. His channel is called Salty Cracker. He has a Salty Cracker uh, uh, memorabilia in the back there. There's a Salty Cracker doing white power on his, on his uh, hoodie. I would assume he cares very much about what people think about his skin color. I'm sure it has a lot to do with his actual holding of his ego in this American myth. Out there, on this planet, is offended by the words that you use, calling them savages, then by your own fucking rhetoric. Isn't that hate speech? And you should be deplatformed. But no, different sets of rules. Never actually saw the savages quote. I did see the white people are animals quote floating around, but again... Haven't gotten any official word, so I'm floating here in the ether, but I'm not willing to uh, say things that people said without providing their quotes or their voice, which I don't think I've done to Salty Cracker here. Salty Cracker has been his own voice this entire time. ...for different sets of people, all based on skin color. Coincidentally enough, th something I thought we were supposed to move past after that whole civil rights movement, but I guess us, all you idiots asking for equality can get fucked, man. And so, this dude runs his mouth. That sarcasm doesn't really work, man. That sarcasm doesn't work in that way. Because you can't be like, oh, you guys are such hypocrites, but it's like, you know, racism it has always been, you know, tra traversal between races like white people aren't the only ones who are racist so he thinks that yeah he that they finally caught a poc being racist that they finally got a gotcha you motherfuckers but really dude not a surprise um we've had the discussion of lewis farrakhan for a while mouth says crazy stuff uh he, he went too far, apparently, attacked some Jewish people, lost his job, and then he cries victim, he cries victim, and in his apology, threatens the place that fired him. Do you understand the power dynamics here, son? Um, they fired you. You have no power. Ah, ah. So he's good. There's my, uh, my uh, Sesame Street count impression. Uh, he then runs over to the SJW market. He runs over to the Black Lives Matter contingent. He goes, hey, can we take some of this weaponized anger and aim it towards this place over here so I can get my billion dollar branding back? I don't know if those people who you're, you're appealing to, all these communists are gonna be super stoked about you trying to get your multi-billion dollar branding back that you don't seem to want to redistribute your wealth to. <laughs>
what communists give a fuck about this situation? They have bigger problems to worry about than, yeah, Nick Cannon losing his show. The only reason why it's worth discussing is worth discussing the ideas that he is talking about because it is a major grouping of ideas that is actually massive. It, at the height of the Nation of Islam back in the 60s, they had 250,000 members. What are they possible at doing with the internet? Again, I am not endorsing their beliefs. I do not agree with most religions or ideologies, but the fact that they have that reach before the internet may or may not have a lot more to do with why it got pulled. Also, there was some anti-Semitic shit in it. There is an unfortunate understanding in the nation of Islam that they are the true Israelites. And a section of it believes that Ju Judaism, I believe I said that wrong, but Judaism, Judeo, Jews, I don't know, but Judaism had actually stripped black people of their history and their heritage and stole it. They say that the Torah is actually their story and the Jews are not the real Israelites and that's what Nick Cannon was trying to get across unsuccessfully but trying to get across nonetheless is that black people in America are the real Israelites that is just a small portion of what the nation of Islam believes now you have to be able to what I wanted to do was go over what he said and what professor Griff said throughout the whole video and disseminate those ideas to kinda of deconstruct that specific section of the nation of Islam that they were getting into and I thought maybe he would go over the things that Nick Cannon actually said here. But he just came by to laugh at a situation that he seems to find absurd and ridiculous. I hate this so much. It's anti-intellectual. And it serves no purpose to anybody actually interested in learning and growing as a person. So Salty Cracker, from me to you, sincerely, please quit what you're doing and go fuck yourself. I know you won't. I know you won't. You're gonna want a slice of that pie. All of those socialist commie fucktards you're trying to gin up into order to fight towards CBS Viacom, they're gonna want a slice of that billion dollar corporation that you, or branding that you, th you think you. Again, what, why are communists even being involved in this? This makes no sense. Like, where, where are the anarchists? Why aren't they getting their fucking money? Where are the socialists? Why aren't they getting their fucking money? Well, but there you have it, my <laughs> friends. I love this story. I love these people shoveling their bullshit opinions and then get upset that some of it comes back and hits them in their face. There you go. Nick Cannon being held responsible <laughs> for the Jewish part of his highly racist... He just wanted a color of person... Uh, color of person. A person of color to suffer the same consequences as a white man. That's all he wanted, and he got it, and now he's just having the day of his fucking life. That's great. This is... That's so funny. What a joke. Um, I will never return to that channel again. I really hope I never return to that channel again. All right, it is time to hit up my last bit before I dip. Because there is time and it's enough to fit in the podcast as well. Um, I'm going to do... I've done 
uh, segments of this intellectual dark web video, which is about an hour long. I started with Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson in one night, and then I did Sam Harris last night. And then tonight, there's a newcomer I've never really heard of in this intellectual dark web. Um, but I'm interested um, to, to, to hear some ideas, whether I disagree th with them or not. Um, so... Um, shouts out to, uh, Nick Cannon. I hope you get a better chance to discuss, uh, your, 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 your mind a lot better. Cause if Joe Rogan is allowed to have Ben Shapiro and Milo Yiannopoulos, Nick Cannon should be able to have Professor Griff and, uh, Fer uh, Louis, Louis Ferris Khan, Fer Louis Farrakhan, Jesus Christ. I am just an illiterate dipshit fuck. So if you haven't seen, um, how to pretend systemic racism doesn't exist by some more news, go do that and then come back to this, even though she's not included here, but that's such a better video about the dark web or the intellectual dark web to be more specific. But let's, uh, let's, let's hear some fucking dangerous ideas, man. I'm kind of hungry for them at this point. That last video was such a tease. Christina Hoff Summers has spent her career defending classic first wave feminism and Now some people might have heard of Christina here, but I have not. So I have to start with the intro. Critiquing modern feminism. She's known as the factual feminist and hosts a blog by the same name where she uses a data-driven approach to cover all subjects related to feminist philosophies and practices, including the Me Too movement, microaggressions, uh -huh. the wage gap, and the supposed patriarchy. As a resident uh -huh. scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, Dr. Summers also studies free expression, due process, and the preservation of liberty in the academy. Previously, she was a philosophy professor at Clark University and has written books such as Freedom Feminism, It's Surprising History and Why It Matters Today, and The War Against Boys, which we'll get into here. Hmm. Christina is just a delight. Yep, she's upbeat, <laughs> she's optimistic, and again, she's very, very data-driven, which is something I think everyone <laughs> in the intellectual dark web is. I mean, if you are going to convince somebody of your arguments, you have to present data, and that is something Christina Hoff Summers is very much into. She's sort of been mischaracterized as a classical conservative. I don't think that Dr. Summers considers herself that way. And you'll see some interesting disagreements along the way in this particular episode. In this segment from episode 18, Christina covers the failings of the women's movement to find common ground amongst all women, how we're going to thrive the if we develop the men the in our society, movement. and where we need to put our focus to do this, <laughs> and why focusing on men, in turn, is going to help women. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. A factual feminist who says the women well, have gone wrong. Well, the thing is that women's problems are talked about a lot because, for good reason, we had a women's movement. We have lots of organizations everywhere. And I actually see more problems for men right now. And huh? men don't have a lobby, especially little boys. And I wrote a book, The War Against Boys, What's Happening with Little Boys in Schools. Men don't have to have a lobby when they hold most positions of power. Uh, that means that their interests, their interests are being represented like to the full extent. What a weird argument to have right off the bat. All right. So um, right now, I'm mainly concerned about men in you know the the vast numbers of men in prison, the 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 boys okay. that are dropping out of school, the men that have not just dropped, that aren't just unemployed. Wait, they're wait, not wait, looking wait, for wait, work. Wait, 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 We've got. Well, how can you even call yourself a feminist when you're constantly like, but I'm really concerned about men's problems. Like, how are you fighting against women's suffrage if you're like, but the men? <laughs> you know, oh, no. able-bodied men oh, no, Rose. in their prime earning years who are not in the workforce. And we have an educational system that is not meeting the needs of men as well as women. And... 
And when I look at women's problems, because women do have serious problems, especially the feminization of poverty. If you are alone with children, it's very hard for women. And given the jobs women do, so it's, they need men. We need each other. Fascinating. I don't think she understands women's problems at all. And it's fascinating that she thinks that men are the solving problem to women's problems or the, the men are the solution to women's problems. Sorry for my brain kerfuffling. Um, that's a fascinating position to take as a feminist is that men are needed. <laughs> I feel like she should change uh, her thing from factual feminist to like uh, a hypocrite flip-flopper um, or Stockholm syndicate I don't know <laughs> it's just... so I don't really see it as separate at this point I think we need kind of a an egalitarian movement at, that looks at areas where we can any, help men because when you help men you help women an egalitarian <laughs> movement that helps men because when you help men you help women now, I'm going to disagree here because the more you assert patriarchy, the less you're asserting any uh, woman power whatsoever. So I think what would be more important to have rather than a, uh, a pyramid of hierarchy or even a vertical of hierarchy, whether even if it's just man to woman, um, a horizontal would probably even everybody out. Uh, Rojava did a very, uh, Rojava is a unique experience because they really focused in and putting women in positions of power. No if, ands, or buts. They just fucking did it. And they had an all-women's army. People can make their objections however they feel like it about it. And in their own representative government, they would elect both a man and a female for those positions. Because to fully represent a population, you must have both at the table now this is not to to shit on the gender issue here this is mostly dealing with sex and we're also talking about a very different part of the world but if we're gonna just break it down into the easiest binary i would think that the the position of power to benefit the most if not all would be a horizontal hierarchical structure because if you have it going up where everything is focused upwards and that you have a top and a bottom, you're going to have oppress and oppressor. At this point in the United States. And, and, and if you help women, you help men. We need to, we're in this together. And just like um, in a lot of ways too, is that um, I do believe that Republicans tend to sell a lot of beliefs that are against the interests of the working class who end up buying those beliefs. And I feel like she is doing the same thing for women. Together. So the problem of poverty, the problem of single motherhood and all that, uh, you've got to, they've got to be marriageable men. They've got to be guys. And it's not enough just to, it used to be you could graduate from high How obsessed she is too with how much like women need men. I don't think she's very pro-gay. No. High school and work hard, you could make it into the middle class. Now you, you, almost required to have college beyond high school, some specialization, and far more women are getting that than men. So we may end up closing the wage gap, just by having a better educated women. But is socially, that, that is not, it, the projections are not good for a stable society. It's not good for the workforce. Wait, 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 wait. 
having smarter specialized women more than males is not good for society and ben shapiro at the beginning of this said that she is great at providing data cannot wait till she actually starts providing some data <laughs> and other countries are addressing that problem. So anyway, the, I do see a problem, the financial problem with women, but I think it's connected to men. The most serious problems for women, though, as you said, I, they're not in the West. I think there are many parts of the world where they have not had two major waves of feminism. They haven't had so much as a trickle. And I go to international women's conferences and I meet women coming from you know, Somalia and <laughs> Egypt and <laughs> Iran, which is a kind of, you know, talk about a handmaid's tale. I mean, that's like 1984 for women in, in many yeah. ways, although it's nice. terrible for men too. But, um, but I meet the women that are, that are sort of the freedom fighters, the, the Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony and Sojourner Truth of those countries. And it's very exciting, but American women right now, especially on the campus, who have so much to give and who are what the fuck is she talking about? That one, you should be very proud of the women who actually fought for the rights, but the women who have those rights now, they're, they're just so, so disgraceful. Who are so gifted and, you know, there you are at Wellesley and you're at Swap, and they're turned in on their own oppression and not making common cause with these women around the world that that need help and they come to what? these conferences. It's because you tell them that they need a man. <laughs> want help from American women because we did liberate ourselves and they want to do the same. And I don't understand why our women's movement wouldn't be so, so focused on making those connections. And wait, you know, wait, 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 you, wait, you wait, 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 wait. How the fuck do you expect women in America, the United States of it, nonetheless to make connections and what uh mutual aid and freedom of association in fucking egypt Th that nation shut down its internet to cut communications off during its protests you want them to communicate with iran how the fuck are you even going to get them on a similar app that you can communicate you need an actual telephone number from these people you have to have actual organizations to get in touch and that's if they can get in touch because they live in dictator non-free speech places like what the fuck insane go back in the 80s on the college campus with apartheid in south africa and I agree, though. Like we, the 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 whole proletariat struggle struggle is a global struggle. It's just she <laughs> is so full of shit right now that, you know, to say the solution is communication, but not to provide the actual means of communication. You're not helping the problem. You're just pointing it out. You know, the students were very focused on the social justice in South Africa. Where are they today on gender apartheid in, in, you know, Saudi Arabia or something? They're mostly talking about apartheid, gender apartheid in the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, or, you know, that we have separate. Just because some uh, movements and organizations tend to make it on the news because news likes sensation and things that will kind of trigger people, especially like when they suggested that girls can go into the Boy Scouts, that triggered a lot of fucking people. Of course, that's going to make the news. But that does not mean that there aren't movements to better Saudi Arabia with their human rights abuses. This is the same issue that conservatives constantly bring up, that if, like, if you're so mad about this, why are you mad about that? There are people mad about it. 
You just only, you have the myopic view. And you think that even this problem isn't that big of a deal worth paying attention to. You know, they, that the language is all about, you know, of crisis for our society, which is not a patriarch. Now, to, to come back to the she United States our, for a second. She said our what? She said our what? Our society is not a patriarchy. How many women presidents have we had? How many times did a women president say, or did a women president run, and we said, this might be the one. This might be the one to convince them all. And it seems to me one of the big problems that I've seen, particularly among men, since we're going to talk about men, is this feeling of, of lack of purpose. And that seems like that's been exacerbated a lot by the false perceptions regarding gender and sex. That my contention has always been that young men particularly either create or destroy, and there's not a lot in between. And I can nice. see it with my two and a half year old boy, he's either building blocks or he's knocking them down. Those are the only two things that he is doing at any given right. time. And usually he's knocking them down. Usually he's just a suicide machine. He's trying to kill himself full time and it's my job to stop him from doing that. And a society that fails to recognize that men actually have to be thrust into positions of responsibility, including the responsibility to protect women, shouldn't be all that surprised when it turns out that men are destructive in the absence. Patriarchy. He just explained to her how patriarchy exists in the institutions of our mind. And it's that men have this idea that we have to protect women. Not all the time. Not all the time, Ben. ...of those responsibilities. Well, all societies who want to thrive and survive have to spend and have spent a lot of time civilizing their young males. Uh, because if you don't do that, they have some very unpleasant ways of making themselves noticed. <laughs> and if you have a lot of sort of under-socialized young men, um, they, they can develop, and, and there is a, I don't like to use the term anymore, but they say toxic masculinity, I'll call it protest masculinity. And a What? Jesus. I'll call it protest. And this is my protest masculinity. I'm not toxic, I'm protesting. <laughs> Man, she is literally like a toxic masculine uh, apologist. She just wants to, she wants like what Jordan Peterson wants, which is every man should have a, a wife and uh, the, the, the world will run perfectly. The young man that's in that mode will show his masculinity by destroying, by tearing down, by preying on vulnerable people. And in fact, it's just the opposite of healthy masculinity. Healthy men who evince a healthy masculinity, they don't destroy, they build. They create, they invent. Non-protest. And they protect. And in, you know, societies everywhere, men have largely been the protectors and the warriors and, you know, defend from attack. And, and, they def and there are a small number of men who are the predators and they, they defend the society from them. And we put effort into that. How do you get these young men to develop a happy a health? Again, when are we going to get some data? Just saying. Masculinity. Well, it helps to have a father. We don't hear that much about <laughs> fathers. In fact, um, you often hear that denigrated in a, yeah. you know, it, you know oh, what? Well, in America, just... it helps to have a father. It helps to have a ton of money. I mean, you know what? You could have a ton of money and not necessarily have a father and still have a higher chances of success. You know what? In fact, just give kids a fuck ton of money. That'll solve everything. It's an old-fashioned idea that children need fathers. Well, uh, they do, and little boys especially. 
Uh, it seems to take an extra toll. They've looked at single family homes and the girls overall fare better. Because first of all, they have this heroic mother who's working so hard they, and the boy finds his identity elsewhere. So you need the father. And then there are ways through sports. That wasn't data. That wasn't data. Citing a study by saying there are studies, that's not data. That's, that's, that's your interpretation of studies if you actually have any. And through ath ath athletics and so forth with the coach, and the, there are ways to focus that energy and that you know creative into healthy masculinity. Now, overall, we've done a pretty good job. <laughs> we don't like to admit it, but most people are not out committing crimes, and you know it, it's all gone down. We're doing something right, but um, we are. What we're really failing, where I see we're failing most seriously, is engaging young men academically. And I, I see a lot of evidence that our schools are increasingly. They favor, uh, you know, the kids who, who are happy to be sedentary and, you know, talk about their feelings. There's a lot of, a lot of writing and reading is about shared feelings. And, um, and uh, so a kid that comes in that likes rough and tumble play and likes, uh, you know, can't sit still and takes it. It's almost as if uh, girls are the gold standard and boys are being measured. That was a whole lot of fucking nonsense. Um, but obviously she has a problem with children actually searching their feelings to find what what they mean and understanding how they feel and everything like that. She has a problem with kids coming in touch with their feelings and equates that to a very feminist position that you would be very feminine if you were in touch with your feelings. Whereas if you're a rough and tumble energetic fuck that just can't slow down, you have no need to look into your feelings. You're fucking perfect. You're a man. And they're not. So they, their first experience with school is uh, frustration and sometimes failure. Much higher rates of boys getting suspended and thrown out, even in preschool. So people say, well, I mean, we don't, as I said before, we don't have these groups. We don't have activist groups for boys. We have a lot for <laughs> women and girls. And they've done. Because if we did live in a matriarchy, I'm sure there would be advocates groups for men's rights, depending on how oppressed men are. But you, she understands the historical conditions that have led us to having women's rights movements, right? She at least understands that very basic fundamental historical context, right? Otherwise, why would she be able to have a microphone? And good. They've done a lot of good. I mean, we oh, girls I, were faltering in math one. and science, and boy, have we improved the quality of math and science education for girls. Where were the programs for boys She's who are behind She's acting like there's like a ton of these fucking schools that are just for girls and just for boys. It's a very minority amount, and they should have the same curriculum because usually they're the same schools. Like, sometimes they have co-ed and sometimes they don't. But, you know, it's usually far fewer parts of the population are affected by uh, single gender segregated schools like that that's a very small number so like how are girls getting that big of an advantage still remaining underpaid on top of boys when they go to the same schools they don't they, you can't receive 
different levels of education in different classrooms? Or is she implying that maybe girls, like white people, have a superiority? Now, see, it just doesn't fit and that doesn't make any sense. Her mind, her brain does not make sense to me. Reading, all the scores show. I mean, the boys score like high, high, slightly better in, in math, but a girl's score higher in reading around the world. You need to put extra effort into engaging a boy in, in the world of the written word. That's fascinating. She just thinks that boys don't like to read. This is very like anecdotal, like feelings over facts kind of situation. And Ben's just been nodding his head the whole time. Where is that? In, in these schools of education where they're still teaching, I don't know, you know, radical theories about women's oppression? No, they're not learning it. So there's a whole field. There's a lot of work to be done. I tell when I go to schools, there's a lot of work like male pedagogy, how to teach boys. And they're already starting in Australia and Canada because they're worried about their workforce. They don't want to have, you know, 20 or 25 percent of, you know, men, you know, in some, you know, who can't cope in an information economy. So there we could look at what the Australians and the British are doing. And, but we, I don't know if you tried to do it, they'd say that's backlash. That's the patriarchy. No, it's not. I don't want to speak that language anymore. I don't think it's helpful. What's helpful is. <laughs> to recognize one another. <laughs> I don't want to discuss feminist theory anymore. Stop it. Stop it. It has nothing to do with me. She she wants to ignore. She wants to ignore. She wants to obfuscate and ignore. And that, I got to be honest with you, does not serve the interests of the oppressed in the working class. You should be very interested in uh, uh, feminist reads. Um, explore how uh, men have kept you beneath uh, their thumb by saying that you don't deserve uh, anything because we think harder and smarter than you do. <laughs> it's not true. Um, it's not true. Um, we could have always lived in a matriarchal world and we could have had always had a more balanced uh, system, but um, I don't want to just... In America, specifically, white land-owning Christian males. That is who runs the country. If you fit these categories, you have a much better time. Much better. And um, she wants to fight for that side by making the women's movement much weaker. By converting other women into thinking that men's rights need to be fought for more than women's. So she's convincing women to fight against their own interests. men and women as, um, as I said, just working together and mutual civility and respect and even love has been known to happen. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, there was absolutely no data in that. That was a completely, uh, this is how I feel argument. And I, uh, returned it with a, this is how she feels in context, in narrative. Um, I didn't have any data or things to really discuss with her i just kind of went off of like this is what she's disseminating this is the information she wants pushed out there and uh it's all bullshit it's pretty easy to to see that it's it is extremely bullshit there's still a wage uh a still a wage gap between males and females for doing the same jobs um and there's still those specific stereotypes that both 
uh males and females uh men and women have to they everybody has their expectation and roles that they're supposed to be filling but um i just tend to lean on the side that women have a much more vulnerable experience in a lot of cases um but you know that's hmm i have so much more learning to do I have so much more learning to do, and so does she. That's what I. What's, that's what I've actually learned from this specifically. But by ignoring empowering women through independent means, and uh, you know, in fact, in getting women to own their own means of production, um, she promotes the idea that uh, men and women codependent relationship is the best relationship. And yep, nope, nope. Nope, that's just uh, it's just the same old conservative argument to just get a nuclear family going so we can control the population with an e uh, an ebb of flow of American seed. Um, no, nope. There's uh, different ways to organize society, and it doesn't depend on the way that things have been. So, um, just take that into consideration. And please, if you're subscribed to uh, Salty Cracker, unsubscribe. That has been my broadcast message for the day. Um, I hope you did something with it. If not, please return it and make sure you have your receipt ready. Um, I'll really need to check it. Other than that, uh, have a great and revolutionary life. I'll miss you.